You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Well, praise Lord, everybody. Amen. Isn't it good to be in church this morning? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you all to stand, if you would, and uh, what a great atmosphere we have, amen, this morning in God's presence. I'm thankful today that we can still come together and worship Him, amen? We can still do that, and uh, I've had something kind of going over in my heart uh, the past little while, and uh, any of our LCC folks who are watching this morning, you're going to hear me talk about it this afternoon, but I want to tell you today... Um, the prophet Isaiah, he says in the sixth chapter that, you know, in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord. And uh, if you look at the scriptures, uh, the Lord was occupying a throne. And uh, I want to tell you today, he still occupies that throne. Amen? He still, he still sits on that throne. And in verse 3 of Isaiah 6, the angel cries out, the earth is full of his glory. Amen. I'm thankful today he sits on the throne and that the earth is still full of the glory of God because of you guys. You're all here, and the church is here, and for the glory of God, it is here as well. Proverbs chapter 17, Proverbs chapter 17, and I want to just teach you today, talk to you a little bit. What I felt God lay in my heart for this morning, and uh, I enjoy when the Word of God, you know, gets into the deep recesses of our heart, and it takes a good hold, and it helps carve out some things, you know, it, it helps sand some of the rough edges off. Anybody have some rough edges you need some 40-grit paper to hit today and, and take off? No, you're all polished then. You're all good. <laughs> I want to talk to you today just when I felt God land in my heart because it's pertinent to the hour we live in. I think it's just good, good to be taught this from just being Christians because let's just face it, no matter what happens in the world, we're still supposed to be Christians. Amen? We're still supposed to show love one towards another. Right? We're all going to the same place, I hope. That's heaven. Proverbs 17, verse 27, it says this, He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. That word calm in the Hebrew Bible means chill. It means chill. So with the help of the Holy Ghost today and the Word, I want to talk to us. Just chill out. Turn to your neighbor and say, chill out. Just chill out. Chill out. Amen. You can set your Bibles down, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to heaven and ask the Lord's word and spirit to teach you and to talk to you today. Father, we love you. We're thankful, God, for your presence. We're thankful, God, that you're always in control. You're always in control. And Lord, you see every heart and mind today, the struggles within the individual, and I pray your presence would minister to them. And God, I pray your word would teach and instruct and strengthen 
the body of Christ today as you desire it to. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I do want to say today how it is an honor to talk to you today from this pulpit. I give honor to Pastor Carter and uh, the church staff here. And I just want to plug this into everyone. Um, if there's ever a day to pray for Pastor Carter and the team, it's today. And uh, if there's ever a day to extend grace and patience and kindness and compassion, um, it's today that the leadership of the church here and abroad are trying to do their best with the cards that have been given to them. So we all need your prayers as we continue to live for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Have you ever had someone look you in the face and say, chill out? The laughter says it all. Chill out. Calm down. We got a little fellow that comes to LCC. He is the sweetest little boy you'll ever meet. If he does not bring a smile to your face, then, not, then you have no pulse. And in Sunday school, uh, one particular afternoon, the kids are getting a little bit rambunctious, as kids do. And uh, I'm not sure all the ins and outs and how everything unfolded, but at some point in Sunday school, it was really hard for the other kids to listen because of the rowdiness of the other kids. And my wife's trying to get everyone's attention because she teaches Sunday school. And she couldn't really, you know, get them to calm down. So this little fella, as he's having a snack, he's popping in his little treat there, he just yells out, calm her down, boys! Calm her down! <laughs> and we all had a good laughter, a good laugh at that. But uh, it's, he, he's saying, like, just chill out, all right? Someone's trying to get our attention, just, just chill out. And we usually hear, you know, someone say, calm down or chill out, or if you're from the backwoods like I am, calm her down. It's usually because we're overreacting. Amen? We're overreacting or losing our minds, either in person in a conversation or on social media. Listen, there are, so, there are countless outlets for you to lose your mind on. You can be cut off driving. Have you ever lost your mind when you were cut off driving? Oh, yeah, here we go. All right, confession is good for the soul, everybody. Wrong coffee order. When you're already late, and the lineup is a mile and a half long to get back into Tim Hortons. Or Costco sold out of the dill pickle peanuts that they have. Has anybody had those yet? Thank you. All right. If you, people, if you have not, wait till I get my bag, then go get your bag, because they're really good. But we're always admonished to just chill out or get some self-control. Calm down. Live with a peaceable heart, good old self-control, good old self-control. It's an important aspect of living for Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen to that? I love to worship. I love to preach. I love the high, intense moments in God's spirit. Self-control is very important in living for the Lord. It's an important aspect. It, it, it is evident 
in people who are walking in the Spirit because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. You'll produce this when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or you should, anyway, have self-control growing in your life. You know, the Apostle Paul lists out some fruits of the Spirit and, everyone say, work of the flesh. You know, we, we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and we should, but in the same chapter of Galatians 5, Paul talks about the works of the flesh or evil or the things that are sharply in contrast to the working or the outworking of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You see, it is more than just the initial evidence, which we believe wholeheartedly rooted in the foundation that when an individual receives the Holy Ghost, they will speak in a heavenly language, an unknown tongue that they had not previously known. But after that, we have to produce the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul teaches that in Galatians 5. And he lays them alongside of the works of the flesh. Now, these are the works of the flesh. I'll just unpack it this way for you. People who have no influence from the Holy Ghost or influence of the Spirit, they express hatred, discord, sexual immorality, jealousy, impurity, debauchery, fits of rage, dissension, factions, envy, and conceit. Those are the actions of somebody who is living without the influence of the Spirit of God. Now contrast that with what the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost generates in people's lives. This is where I hope we all live. And someone said amen. When the Holy Ghost gets a hold of a person and indwells, when the Spirit of Christ enters in and takes up residency, right? It gets, hold of a, it gets a hold of a person, a culture, or a church. Look what it can produce. Love. Joy. Everyone smile behind your mask. Joy. Everyone say peace. It gives you peace. Everyone say patience. Gives you patience. Say kindness. Say it again. Say kindness. Goodness. All right, all right. Faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. And we're going to touch base for the next few minutes on the last one. Self-control or controlling yourself. Controlling that thing we call the ego. Who's heard of the ego before? How many have said that guy's got a big ego? You know, your ego just judged his ego. The word ego comes from the Latin word meaning I, me, the big I. It's your own opinion of yourself. It's what you're showing the world. And some of us have a poor self-image. Low self-esteem, while others have an overinflated self-image. Both are damaging. It was ego, or I, that landed Lucifer, Satan, outside of God's presence and in opposition to God. Okay, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Notice the wording here. This is the New Living Translation. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said 
in your heart. Your heart can tell on you. You said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. Look at the wording. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Ego or pride, understand this today, had a way of ejecting this archangel Lucifer, out of the presence of God. And I want to say it this way to you today, as easy as I can and plainly as I can. Few things in life can eject us outside of God's presence like pride. Few things have the power to take me outside of the presence of God like my ego can, like my pride can. When we make it about us and we craft ways to make what happens in God's presence about us, we don't do ourselves any favors. If you ever want to land yourself on the wrong side of God, let your ego take the steering wheel of life. Let the I get in the way. Is that all right today? Controlling the ego or the I. Everyone say I. If there's ever a day in a culture and a time to control you, it's right now. There are outlets everywhere for you to express what you want, how you want, when you want. You've got time to think about what you're going to post and be as nasty as you want to be or as kind as you can be. So if there's ever a day to have the work of the Holy Ghost help us with self-control, it's, it's today. It's today. Because I don't want to have my pride be so thick and so, and so heavy on me and on you to the point that I'm not in his presence like I should be because I'm so full of me that I have no room for him in my life. I'm calling on the church today both physically and virtually, to operate out of the simple concept that it's not about me. Not about me. Controlling the ego is a huge component for living for Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24, 25, and, and 26. You know this passage, I'm sure. The Lord speaks to his followers, if anyone wants to be my follower... He's got to forget about himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. If anyone wants to keep his life safe, he will lose it. If anyone wants to give up his life because of me, he will save it. For what does a man have if he gets all the world and loses his own soul? What can a man give to buy back his soul? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to practice denying of self. You have to practice the putting down of opinion. You have to practice putting down you and picking up the cross and setting aside your agenda for the sake of the mission because let's just face it, we're all on the same journey here. And we're called to sacrifice for one another just like Jesus, okay? God manifests in the flesh. He gave up everything to become like you or I. He surrendered some of himself in order to save us. He set aside himself 
for the safety and the well-being of others. And a mark of a Christian is those who can set aside self for the safety and well-being and love and concern for other people. But if we're so overladen with ego, it'll always be about us and me and my bank account and my family and who I am and where I go. And we'll forget that the Lord says, forget about yourself every now and then and pick up the cross and follow me. I want to be a Christian. Amen? I want to be a Christian in these last days. And I want my life to be marked with the simple fact is, hey, he's full of Christ. He's full of Christ. Living for Christ is about letting go of an ego-driven life and embracing the life that Christ has for you and for me and for the one sitting next to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. Now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, Paul is teaching, yes, we know that we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it's love that strengthens the church. So Paul's teaching to the Corinthian people, anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, Paul said. But the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. Ego is very self-inflating and draws attention to itself, highlighting self-importance. Ego gets frustrated when it's not the center of every decision or every event or every moment. Ego doesn't like that because it wants to have a spotlight. Ego finds a way to make almost everything about them. While ego causes self-inflation, look what I know, look what I can do, love releases humility. That's why Paul says it's not about how much you know. Your King James Version would say in 1 Corinthians 8 that knowledge puffs up. It makes us feel important, and for that reason we have some type of right. When Paul's teaching love will let you lessen the importance of yourself in order to preserve the church. Love lifts, knowledge can bring down. Wielding knowledge without love is damaging. Is this okay today? Wielding love, wielding love, or pardon me, knowledge without love is damaging. But knowledge Shared in love creates an environment of growth and healing. It's not about how much you know. It's how much are you loving. How much love are you giving? And here's the thing I want to ask you, which is what I asked our church. How much love are we giving in proportion to how much knowledge we're sharing? I want to give more love than knowledge because love will edify you more than it will even edify me in the moment. Love will lift you up and love will help you and knowledge may make you feel unimportant. My knowledge may make you feel less than intelligent. My knowledge may make you feel angry with me. But the language of love from person to person can build us both up. But there comes the mature test of a Christian is when you're given the option to share knowledge or love, which will you share? If the knowledge you want to share will destroy your Christian friend and brother and sister, why would you share that? 
If the knowledge you want to enforce and share and give will not cause healing and bring unity and preserve relationship and help the church, why would you want to share that? You see, a a mark of true Christian maturity is when the option is given to share knowledge or love, when love is the healing and love is the, the humble approach and love will build bridges. You can pick a time and place to share the knowledge, but at that moment, the love will be what preserves you, that person, that family in your church. So I caution us today as a generation that has information at the tap of a finger, and while we read quickly through posts and news articles, we are all professionals of undigested opinions. So in my personal view today, share more love than knowledge, and you watch Jesus Christ share more gospel through you than conflict through you. Is that okay? The church is called to be Growing and showing the fruit of the Spirit. It's not about how much you know. It's about how much you love. Everyone smile. Good. I believe you. (laughs) Colossians 3. You know, when we love each other or we love the Lord, you know, love makes room for faults of others. God dealt with me on this. (laughs) Believe me, I am not above any of what I'm talking about today. Colossians 3 and 12, since God chose you to be holy, people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13. You know, this is the true test of a church. Mark, make allowances for each other's faults. You know, unity is sometimes misunderstood amongst us. We believe that unity is when everybody believes the same thing, does the same thing, and wants the same thing. That is not unity. Unity exists when we're all going the same direction, and there's still tension, but we're all choosing to go the same direction in spite of the tension. Unity is not the absence of tension. It's being mature enough to not make the tension get so sharp that it breaks something between us. Unity is this. I know the limit, and I'm not going to test it. That's also unity coupled with love. So I admonish us today, online and in person, make allowances for others' faults. Do you know why? I love you, but you've got them too. I got them too. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, and Paul had a way of just driving a knife in your heart. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If we lived in accordance with Colossians 3 and 13, my goodness, I'm going to make allowance for my brothers and sisters' faults because I've got them. And my, 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 Jesus has forgiven this guy of a lot of faults in his life. Has anybody in this room, you could say with me today, Jesus' blood has covered a lot of sin in this guy's life or this girl's life. Aren't you thankful today? It's that blood that lets us live and move and operate while embracing each other's positives and negatives. It's that love that lets us share, lets us exist and be together. It's that love that makes us be the church that all sometimes is clunky and what's going on and where are we at. That love has a way of just like a dysfunctional family, bring it back together and put it back in its rightful place again. 
love. Everyone say love. Self-control. It's, it's where it's at. Can we lift up our hands today? Amen. And just, God, we need your presence today. This may be different. I told Pastor, Pastor Robertson, I'm not going to be rah-rah preaching today, Pastor. I'm just going to talk and teach. We need the Lord to help us operate in this vein, in this time. We need the power of his spirit to infuse us with love, self-control, preferring our brother, lifting each other up, loving each other in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Knowledge is powerful if used properly and not driven by ego. Knowledge, is, knowledge held in love is far more profitable than love held in ego. It seems like in most cases, our knowledge can be used, although we say it's for good, it's most often used for some type of judgment. Because I know and you should know, so let me tell you. I read this phrase last week, and it stuck with me so hard. This gentleman said this, I realized years ago that very few people get judged into life change. Far more people get loved into life change. So when you have the chance to slam knowledge or share love, share love. Make the right decision for the situation you're in. Now, I want to make a quick transition Along the same line with self-control to two very important people that we know and we all are friends with. Everyone say anger. Has anyone ever been friends with anger before? Woo. Listen, it's never good for our lives and our people and our family for our good friends, anger and pride, to get together and start planning a response to a situation that usually leads to high blood pressure, and a whole lot of apologizing. Has anyone's blood pressure been up the past like two weeks? <laughs> I was convinced mine was going to come out of my chest at one day this past week. Anger and pride need to find their place. And it's not at the forefront of the conversations we have as Christians. Reactions to what we're dealing with tell the tale of what level of self-control we're living in. If you see somebody who's always reacting and mad and angry, they don't have a whole lot of self-control. Sometimes we have reactions to situations that we're not even a part of, like online. Something we've heard about, read about, involving somebody else, we've made it our issue. And we've not needed to make it our issue. But somebody else's issue has become a platform for me to share my anger when it didn't even need to be involved in the first place. Is that all right? That's why I'm okay with social media until, until it starts to bring the worst out of you. I don't think Pastor Carter would mind me saying that if your social media is doing more harm than good, in your life, if it's creating anger, anxiety, jealousy, if it's a work of the flesh, you better off just disconnect your account completely because you don't want to lose your Christian witness over that. And that's the issue. It ropes us into everybody else's mess, and we weren't even a part of it, but the moment you comment on somebody else's mess, you've made it your mess. <laughs> 
And anger and pride begin to just work and operate and go into overdrive. And then you're telling everybody else about what you just posted. Listen, if the conversations in your life circle around a post on social media, that's shallow. You need to get a life. I'm sorry. If all you talk about is what you just read and posted, you, you need to get a life. I hope I didn't offend you. Colossians 3 and 13 says you got to make room for my faults, so please make room for my faults. Listen, don't borrow anger that you don't have to borrow. Live your own life. Don't have anger fantasies about how you can rip somebody apart because that does not help. Colossians 4 and 6, let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Conversation spoken and typed, text, posted, tweeted, whatever. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I want to live in light of the love of Christ. I do. I understand there's a time and place to speak up. I get that. So let's talk about that. No one's asleep yet. Wonderful. There's a time and place to speak your mind. And Proverbs gives us so many incredible passages of Scripture that let us do that in the proper way. Proverbs 29 and 11. A fool uttereth all his mind. When you've got no filter, when you've got no issue spewing off any type of opinion, the word will speak for itself. A wise man keeps it in until afterwards. There's a time and place. Proverbs 14, 17. He that is soon angry deals foolishly or acts foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Proverbs 14 and 29. He that is slow to wrath is of a great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Proverbs 16.32, I gave the tech guy a hand cramp writing out all my verses of Scripture today when he was taking down what he'd have to show on the screens. Proverbs 16.32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 25 and 28, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. Hopefully you're getting the understanding today that self-control is a huge part of us as Christians. He who has knowledge, Proverbs 17 and 27, I like this one. It's our opening one. He who has knowledge, okay, in this context, uses it properly, spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm or a chill spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he, is, when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perspective, perceptive. All these passages are powerful, speaking of self-control. I was in a conversation a while ago around the table with some people. And it was a little bit heated. 
heated conversations are like every other day right now. And I remember this particular fellow was, you could tell, I almost like watched like a thermometer, like, ooh, it was just going. Their blood pressure was coming up, the, the intensity was there, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try to be calm here and, and reserve. And what's going on, doing his thing? And he goes, hey, why are you so calm? It's like I'm just choosing not to overreact right now. <laughs> and sometimes it's as easy as making that decision to not get involved. I would sooner be accused of being calm in the middle of a heated discussion than potentially picking the wrong side and causing damage to a potential soul. So there's a time and place, everybody, to share information, to share venting. And do you have a vent? Everyone have a vent? You vent with people? You talk to people? Keep it a safe place. Keep it a proper place. That place is never where it can be sent off for thousands of people to see. That's all, Stan. Everyone say self-control. Self-control. It goes beyond, oh, self-control goes beyond just simple emotions into physical life as well and what we consume and how we live and what we indulge, and I understand that. But I want God's people today, in person, online, I want us to take a good hard look at the Scripture's appeal to God's people as he calls them to practice self-control in light of one another's faults and failures, in light of our own faults and failures, in light of the gospel, in light of unity, and ultimately in light of eternity. If self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, it has an in eternal application for your life. It's necessary to practice self-control as people of God. Amen. Before we dismiss this morning, I wonder if we could raise our hands. I know it may be a different Sunday morning, but I just kind of wanted to talk to you about that from my spirit. Jesus, let's just pray. Jesus, God, we are thankful today for your presence. God, we are thankful today that the Word of God can challenge us and speak to us right at a very specific point of need in our lives. In this climate, Lord, in this, in this melting pot of cultural opinion, in this issue, the issues we face every day, I pray, God, that self-control of the Holy Ghost would touch your people, Jesus. I pray, God, that we'd have the voice of the Lord speaking to us and the convicting power of the Spirit alongside of us, talking to us, helping us navigate through this difficult season that we're in. God, that we can prefer our brothers and sisters, love those who are in opposition to us. Ultimately, God, seeing our church unified and move forward with this beautiful gift of the Spirit of God and self-control. If reconciliation, God, has to be made between parties today, I pray people would do that. I pray, God, they'd seek restitution, God, from our friends and family. I pray, most importantly, God, we'd live for you together in this season and grow in this season, God. And when it's all over, it's prepared us for other seasons to come. And we give you great praise today, Jesus, for you are God of all. You are still on the throne in heaven. And this earth, dear God, is still full of the glory and the majesty of a Savior named Jesus. 
Help us, I pray, mighty God, to live humbly before you and humbly before each other so we can have the mark of Christ on our life and be an example to the unbeliever. And we give you praise. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord right now and thank Him for His presence. Thank Him for His touch today. God, we give you praise. God, we give you glory. God, we give you honor today. That's all right. Let's just love Him for a minute. We give you glory this morning, Jesus. Give you honor today, God. We love your mighty name. We give you praise, Jesus. Give you great praise, Jesus. Give you great praise, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being in church uh, this morning in a unique season as it is. But I believe wholeheartedly how we persevere through this season, because you can't live like this is the last season. There's more to come. As, as we persevere through this season that we're in, it'll help prepare us and shore up some necessary responsibilities and disciplines for the next season. Because when this is all said and done, I want to come through this having grown as a child of God. Amen? Amen. I want to come through this having grown as a child of God, knowing that, hey, if we made it through this, the grace of God can get us through anything else we have to face. Amen. God bless you today. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. And then we'll see you back here tonight for church. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.